Shalom sisters. Are you ready to gather around this soul care campfire together again? Well, I'm glad you're here. Because together we're going to rethink and reframe what we think about vocation. You know, what we will do today is come together to discern more viscerally, more clearly about how we just even view what we mean about vocation. It's about letting my life, your life, honestly speak. Welcome to Mohawk Mama Soul. This podcast is especially, essentially for the writing soul. We don't focus on the writing craft. There are plenty of podcasts for that. But here, you are the focus. Your own personhood, not just what you produce. So let's go ahead and get started. Ultimately, you are a soul who writes. Writing is work. Writing is rest. It's your movement in the world, the unique embodiment of your freedom. You are a writer. If you hold yourself accountable for documenting, witnessing, journaling, educating, blogging, even writing copy, And this opens up others to their freedom, their imagination, their growth, and their healing. And it does so in such a way so that you are able to be generous with your love, with your gifts, with all of who you are, so that it will be an expression of your soul care from the inside out. That's what the Mohawk Mama Soul podcast is all about. Helping you attend to your writing soul. What we do here is notice, nurture, and embody soul care in a culture of scarcity, noise, and frenzy. And so that is what you're welcomed into. And anything that we are talking about will always come back to three foundational things that you notice in order to nurture, in order to embody, even more earnestly and intentionally. If this is your first time, I want to welcome you in to this Soul Care Campfire and let you know that you are right at home. You are in a place where you already belong. You have nothing to prove, girl. And here's what I want to make sure we do first and foremost. I want us to get our headphones on. I tend to speak low, that's just typically what I do, but it might be easier to hear me if you have your headphones on. But it also can become a sanctuary for you where you kind of put everything else, the noise to the side. Be ready to be a receptive repository so that you can gather in, but then you can release. So you want to be a conduit just as much as a repository. Receive it and then be courageous enough to let go. But first, I want to always remind us that 
We are dealing with the word nefesh when we are talking about the word soul. So when we are actually gathering around this soul care campfire, so to speak, what we're doing is we're joining one another in solidarity. And we are looking at this Hebraic word and the Hebraic paradigm behind this word nefesh that refers to a living, breathing, physical being. And what I want us to do and embrace is to know that we are a living soul. We don't have a nephesh, we are a nephesh. And in light of that Hebraic thought, we are composed of multiple parts. So here's what I need us always to remember before we go into this time of reframing and rethinking is that the body and all of the various parts of us that are intangible is one. So here's what I want you to remember as we continue. Think of your breath when you think of your spirit. Think of your heart when you think of the seat of your thoughts. Think of your kidneys when you think of your emotions. Think of your gut when you think of your intuition. And this is the unified you. There's so much more. But what I'm saying is, think of the whole person being brought into unity because you are organs and breath. And so with that, let's get into part one of our conversation about vocation. Choose to experience and let go of expectations for why you're here. Expectations can prevent us from seeing what's right in front of us. Our assumptions color what's really there. Sojourner, I want you to practice looking at yourself. Really look at yourself past who you've been told that you are or who you have believed yourself to be or the part you have played, the roles that you play, the masks that you wear. Let's remove them. Let's remove the prejudgment and critique one layer at a time that normally attach themselves to those very things. Whether you're standing or sitting, with or without a mirror, I want you to pause and trace with your hand a section of your body. Maybe your face, maybe your hand, your arm, your legs, maybe your thighs, maybe your belly, your chest, your shoulder. But what I want you to do is allow your hand to trace your holy temple. Welcome her. Welcome her creator and sustainer. Get a keen sense of your embodiment as you untether yourself and discover aspects of drawing in 
the closeness of who you are and who you are becoming because of who has created you and designed you. It is difficult at times because when we do not notice due to hurry, busyness, avoidance, the lies or dismissal, we will not be attentive to who we really are. And so that, that is where we want to begin. So let's begin with the breath. Let's begin with our breath, our spirit. Breathing is inhaling. It's an active process. And as you inhale truths, then you're going to engage in a very passive process that follows exhaling. And so I want you to be mindful, be present in the moment of your breath. Inhale the truths. Exhale any untruths or any weights. Maybe it's true, but it's a weight. And there's a different way to approach it reframe it. And that's one of the things I want us to be doing throughout our conversations, reframing. It's that positive shift of perspective. So cognitive reframing is going to take you on a journey and let you see the very things that are unlikely are actually the very things that become a resource to you. Things that will take on greater meaning. So when we begin to inhale the truths and exhale the weights, the burdens or the untruths of the false self or falsehoods that are projected by others, then you can begin to pay attention and scan your body, scan your thinking. And doing this allows you to notice where you're holding tension in your body where your belief systems are holding you in certain spaces. And so when we are talking about this conversation about your vocation, your vocation is about your voice. Breathe that truth in. And it is that inner insistence to let your life speak forth in ways and let my life speak forth in ways that evoke and encourage shalom, wholeness, and well-being. So let me just tell you, your vocation will teach you to receive generously and listen deeply, actively, and continuously to your embodied narrative. Remember, that's thematic for this year because embody embodiment. That's my word for this year. It's our word when you come to this Soul Care Campfire on Mohawk Mama Soul podcast. But I want you to know that your voice is not less than the words coming forth from your larynx or your pen or however you express yourself. There's so much more. Your voice, my voice, is about the way we allow our lives to boldly speak the truth about what we long for, what we've seen and experienced, 
and our holy resolve. And we also need to bring our daughters on this journey, our sons on this journey. We do this by sitting with questions. You know, I've been really sitting with Richard Rohr's words, before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen to what it intends to do with you. And before you tell your life what truths and values you have decided to live up to, let your life tell you what truths you already embody, what values you represent. I want you to breathe that in. And I want you to do so in such a way as you engage in that active process of breathing in, let it inspire you. And then as you breathe out whatever you have believed about what you are telling your life to do, you can relax that and exhale. Let that passive process happen. One of the things in this part one I want us to just focus on is that vocation is not a job, but it requires work. And the second thing we're going to do is just kind of look at some rethinking moments, some reframing moments that allow us to get curious, okay? So let's do this. It is so essential for you to awaken to the reality that your voice is evidence of the work of grace from the beloved. And it begins with hearing his voice, not getting a job, not figuring out a job, not getting an occupation or career, but hearing his voice, which enables you to then work to echo him with your unique voice. And so you must understand that although your profession or your job can relate directly to your vocation, your vocation cannot be manufactured or manipulated. It can't be engineered, but it can be discovered. At this cross point of our conversation, it really is important for me to say that I realize that having work that brings in income is important. It is significant. And so I'm not trying to actually pit vocation against an occupation or your profession or anything like that. What I'm saying is that the way we must rethink the whole idea about vocation, especially from a soul care standpoint, remember, that's where I'm coming from. The way I see it is that when it comes down to really understanding what it looks like for us to uh, generate income and for us to speak forth truth doesn't always mean they will intersect. They can, they might, but a healing woman discovers and discerns her healing vocation. So your life voice is something that calls you forward more than you're going to call yourself to it and maneuver in a way to get it to do something for you. But the fact of the matter is 
You being able to be called forward means you get to be you. You don't have to figure out someone else. You just need to constantly discover you. And whatever your occupation or your role might be, they never will impede your vocation, but it will always strengthen it. And so I want to just share with you just even this whole idea about myself and my occupation. I'm a pastor, a writer, a soul care midwife, an activist. These are all things that are not integral to my vocation, but those roles are gifts and they invite me and your roles invite you to experience and tell of his story, the beloved story in your story. I get to do that in my life. And so those roles will converge with many other ways that I let my life speak, whether it's in motherhood or in my marriage, in my friendships, in my family relationships, in my community, and the same for you. Now, one of the things that is really important is that to be able to process this means that there's going to be a requirement of us to work. And that just doesn't mean so that we generate an income. That is good. But what I'm talking about, we must do the work, the internalized work. And that happens in meditation. So I admit daily meditation is essential when we engage our unique facet of the divine, because that's what vocation is. It is your unique voice, which is a facet of the divine, of the beloved. And so to meditate daily is to have trusted, chosen, accepted, and surrendered to a vacation that looks like discerning that you and I are holy and called, and above all, cherished. You know what? When I listened to myself, it sounded like I said vacation, (laughs) but I think you know that I'm talking about surrendering to a vocation. And so it looks like discerning the work of your vocation. And that doesn't need you as much as you needed to do a deep work within you. And let me tell you, that is unburdening. Here's the bottom line. I believe that vocation, again, calls us all forward. The word itself comes from the Latin and it means to summons or call. And it will call us more than we call it to ourselves. That's what we need to rethink. That's what we need to reframe. So let's take the time right now to engage in meditation that will help us further reframe. Remember, looking at this whole conversation about vocation as a way to resource ourselves with the unlikely things that we have thought about our vocation and thought about What do we do when we discover our vocation? Because that in itself is a whole nother journey. 
Just discovering the vocation is one thing. What do you do with it is another. They're related. But I think with us meditating together, we can come to a point where our eyes will begin to open and see, number one, that we belong and that we are loved in the discovery process. So let's begin right now. I want you to, wherever you are, take note of your body, specifically your breath. And I want you to, again, activate this process of inhaling. Remember earlier, we talked about the active process of inhaling and the passive process of exhaling and taking it deep into the lower lobes of your lungs to get that oxygenated. Not just that chest breathing, but that diaphragmatic breathing. And as you breathe in, I want you to think about your spirit, that part of you that you can't touch, but your breath will help you connect with the fact that your spirit is ready and willing and it is empowered. We are going to use Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 18 as our way of engaging our spirit. And as I speak it, I want you to begin to use your imagination as a way to begin to let yourself see what you need to see of the presence of the beloved because wherever the presence of the beloved is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And remember that because that freedom is what helps us to really cling to the abundance of the truths that sometimes seem very hard to translate into our everyday in the trenches of life. All right, let's begin. Breathe in and deeply breathe out. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I want you to breathe out whatever burdens you, whatever triggers you or stresses you about not having the hope to see, to trust in what this passage is offering the enlightening of your heart in order that you may know the hope. And as you unburden yourself, a part of that process can be to ask, who is my hope? What does hope sound like? What would hope say to me right now? And then as you continue with that, I want you to, if you need to, let it go. 
This is not about trying hard. This is just about showing up. But I want you to let it go. And it can come and go in waves. Because the next aspect of this meditation is something I want to point out. The latter part of this prayer. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Not for them, you. Yes, holy. But in his holy people. You are holy. Breathe that in. And then exhale. Any disbelief. Any doubt. Be inspired. Trust that you are holy. Apart from what you do. But because of who he is. And who he has made you to be. There's riches inside of you, in his holy people. The solidarity, again, it's you, me, and others. Consider how this meditation begins to open you up. And as you do that, I want you to understand that the embodied narrative is about how love clothed himself in a human body to pay you, us, the highest compliment, to bring us back into the pleasure of sacred communion. This is one of the ways that our vocation allows us to image or reflect love in the world. We get to throw back ourselves in a way of imaging him and to continue to behold that image of love allows us to continue to reflect that very image to those who need to see that kind of beauty, not polished, but just real. And as we begin to wrap up our time, I do want to make sure I plant another seed, and that is how vocation makes you curious. You know, I was this young single mom uh, by the age of 18, and by the time I was 20 years old, um, I intersected with God's love. And I was absolutely undone and unsure of just about everything at that point. And as that young mom, what gripped me the most with fear was the whisper that my life was not good enough for my daughter because I didn't have anything valuable to say to her because of the life that I lived up to that point and the only life I was familiar with. And so I embodied this internal narrative of not being good, not having anything good to give. And it filled me with so much angst and confusion, so much so that I resigned to let my mother raise her and speak into her life until Savannah was close to three years old. She's the first of our eight children on the earth. We have nine, one is in heaven. 
but she's one of six daughters. And my internal dialogue as a woman was consistently unkind and impatient with my own womanhood, my own femininity, my own humanity above all. But what began to like shift for me is that hearing the beloved's voice call me to curiosity, call me to pay attention and understand my voice in regards to asking questions. And so that's where it started. More curiosity and less condemnation of myself. I believe in the art of curious inquiry. It's one of the essential soul care practices I engage and teach. And thankfully, I hadn't buried that childlike practice too far down in my shattered places of adulthood. But maybe your curious soul was discouraged or crushed during your childhood. Perhaps you dismissed it or silenced her. Whatever violent attack your curiosity has suffered, I encourage you to begin to gather up all the pieces of your curious heart because you are accompanied and you are free to do that. And let me tell you what curious inquiry will do. It will allow you to sit without making premature conclusions or opinions about yourself. Curiosity is a beautiful doula. It will also show you how to patiently question with compassion. It will help you heal and outgrow your fear through creativity. And let me tell you, it will open you up to who you are and who you are becoming. And that is healing. And so, as you dig a little deeper, well, maybe you don't have to go that deep. Maybe you are a curious soul. But as you do that, you will understand that this conversation is more about being and doing. And by doing so, they both support each other. And so coming in part two, we're going to talk about how vocation is a mirror and a gift. We kind of mentioned a little bit about reflecting um, the beautiful one, but we're going to talk a little bit more next week about that and how our vocation is a gift and how it is a grace witnessed, a testimony, and how it is communion, a sanctuary of transformation. And if you want to take a little sneak peek, you can go to the blog. The link is in the show notes. Today's She Did That segment is on my daughter, my daughter, Annalisa Palmer. She's also known as Afroflower. And although today's She Did That segment is not an audio, it is a visual. And what she did was incredible. She has this declaration personally for herself that she loves her skin. And she turned it into something that she is sharing with others. And so what you can do is you can go to the link and actually go to the blog. And you can check out the visual of what it is that she did. And there was also links for you to check her out on her website as well as Instagram. And know that what she did is also a win 
for all of us as we dare to speak forth our life voice, our vocation. Yes, she did that. Thank you so much for joining me on this Soul Briety Pilgrimage. Thank you for letting me guide you, teach you. Thank you for letting me also learn alongside you how to engage this fascination and this focus on your, our embodied narrative. So this is what we have to look forward to in this season. So let's do it as soul care advocates that begin with our own advocacy of full embodied living. Shalom. Share the Mom's Podcast with your friends. Jesus is always with your heart. He loves you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.